Today, on the show, we are joined by Mark Mastrandrea, also known as Mark Brazil, the legend and co-founder of the fastest growing digital art company in the world, Iconic. Iconic, which embodies a number of things, like pop culture and motivational art, was started by Mark and his co-founder Jeff Cole after they spotted a niche in the affordable digital art market. And at the time, they were sick of their dead-end jobs. So this is a story, as you guys can imagine, that we love. Since then, they have scaled the brand from a dream into an eight-figure machine. Iconic have partnered with entrepreneurial icons like Scooter Braun, like Gary Vaynerchuk, like Eric Thomas, the motivational goat, as well as earning the licensing rights to the NBA, Muhammad Ali, Marilyn Monroe, etc., etc., So if you are an aspiring entrepreneur or if you are currently an entrepreneur and need a motivational message, if you need a wake-up call, this is the episode for you. I'm not going to drag this intro out, guys, because this episode speaks for itself. So without any further ado, let's welcome a man onto the show that Dax Miller once commented, he's got more energy than a Duracell, more style than the Duchess, and can smell opportunity like a pig smells truffles. Mark Mastrandrea, welcome to the Freedom Pact. Thank you, man. That means a lot. It's been a, it's been a really, really, really long journey, interesting journey for myself and my business partner. So I'm excited. Uh, I'm always excited to share and motivate and inspire people through my story. Let's start with Iconic. So I've researched you extensively ahead of this. And one thing which really caught my eyes when you talked about that story where you and Jeff were both at a company and you didn't really feel valued What was that process like for you at that time? What were you thinking? Was that what spurred you towards entrepreneurialism? I mean, I've kind of, you know, I've been an entrepreneur my whole entire life, but I kind of got into this hybrid mode where um, I always had entrepreneurial tendencies, but I was an employee of a company and it didn't really uh, give me the reins uh, to make decisions on my own. Um, so for me, to be quite frank with you, I kind of really just fell into it where we were doing it on the side. And then once it started gaining traction, you know, me and Jeff just made a decision together that this was our perfect chance where, you know, the effort that we put in was directly tied to the success of the company. And given, you know, both of our work ethic, we knew that it was the right time to uh, go full time and do something on our own. What was it specifically about working in a company which just give you that feeling of unease? Um, I mean, I just think that, you know, I'm a big reader and just studying how the most successful companies operate and just from an intuition standpoint, um, a lot of corporate companies and, you know, the companies I worked for just didn't 
uh, frame the relationship with them as the owner and me as the quote unquote employee correctly where, you know, if you're an owner of a company, um, all of the employees uh, are basically helping you achieve their dream. Um, so I think that as an owner of a company, it's your responsibility to then, you know, do the favor for them as well. You know, what do they want in life? What do they aspire to be? What are their goals? So as an employee of a company, I just was never asked, you know, what am I passionate about? You know, where do I want to be? What do I value? And more was just being at this time and do the work. Um, and I think that seeing how other people did it wrong, I think really helped frame for me and Jeff how we operate with our company where, you know, we don't even tell our guys what time to be in or what time to leave. They can take off whenever they want. So we give people um, freedom to do what they want. And as long as they get the job done, um, we don't care. So we just really weren't um, doing the stuff that we loved. Um, and, you know, everybody loves being told that, you know, that they do a good job. It wasn't really any good communication back and forth on that. Uh, we weren't incentivized. I think incentives are something big. And then ultimately it just was – it was just always chaotic environments. Um, and I think with ours, it's it's the complete opposite. So just really not being put in a position to be happy and to ultimately succeed personally, which in turn would help, you know, the company and the owners succeed. So it was very backwards. That's, you know, a common gripe, which we hear we've experienced ourselves. So, so when I ask you, say, that you wasn't incentivized properly, was there a case of that you just didn't feel as if they were paying you, I suppose, what you were worth or what your value was, what, what that could match your ambition? Is that is that right? Yeah, I think um, compensation is a very funny thing that, you know, there's different forms of it, whether it be obviously money, whether it be equity, um, whether it be resources, whether it be network, whether it be learning. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can skin the cat, um, but I think you know, ultimately, you know, I always say either learn or leave. And for me, um, I found all of my learning was really done through my own findings, through my own reading, through stuff I was doing outside of work. So, you know, if you're not going to pay someone that much money, it needs to be uh, combined with other things like resources, network, intelligence. Um, and I really wasn't stimulated in all those those ancillary things. So, um, yeah, the fact that I wasn't getting paid that much and you know, I wasn't happy and I wasn't learning a lot specifically from the job um, really put me in a position where I knew I had to leave. So you mentioned that you are a voracious reader, which is something yep. that we absolutely love. We endorse it. What are some of the biggest books that have had a personal effect on Iconic as a company? And also, what are the major values which you've taken from books, which you apply today? Yeah, um, my favorite book is, is is Good to Great by Jim Collins. It analyzes uh, the number one and number two companies in a lot of different industries. I highly, highly recommend it for any leader. Um, it just goes through how to hire, uh, leadership, strategy, um, finding your own personal passion, and how it aligns to being the best in the world and how you can make money doing it. Um, and I just think reading... Um, there's no such thing as, you know, a really successful leader of a company, in my opinion, that doesn't read a lot because ultimately it's a constant loop where you need to be learning, learning, learning and iterating and pivoting with everything going so fast in this world. So I think that, you know, one of Jay Shetty's missions is really uh, education over entertainment, but kind of uh, blend it in a sense that, you know, it's entertaining for you to learn. And for me, 
you know, reading isn't a chore to me, it's a hobby. So I think that, you know, my thing is for anybody out there is to really, it's the same thing with finding, you know, uh, what you're going to do for, you know, for work for your life is you really should be searching and finding until you find something that aligns with your passion and effort. And I think the same thing goes for reading that you should constantly be searching and reading different things to kind of find out the types of stuff that you can read um, that ultimately stimulates you. And then it's uh, something out of passion. It's not a work. Um, and for me, I've, you know, I don't, I only enjoy reading business books. I'm deeply passionate about learning. I can read a book and if I get one thing out of it that I can apply to either my personal life or my business life, I consider that a huge victory. So for anybody listening, I would really advise just read as much as possible and find some sort of pocket in the type of books you're reading. And once you find that and it becomes something fun to do to read, then you're going to see, you're just going to get so much more intelligent so fast. So that's kind of my advice in relation to reading. Man, I love this so much. So what is your process for this? So is it you read a good book, say, related to business, and then you write it down? Then do you try to apply it the same day, the same week? Yeah. You know, over the years, I've kind of iterated on how how I read books and how I apply books. You know, my whole entire thing is if you read and you learn something um, out of a book and you don't apply it, then it's basically just useless knowledge in your head. So when I'm reading a book, I'll just kind of stop and think. And if I kind of find some sort of little strategy that I'm like, wow, this makes a lot of sense, then I'll literally just stop and I will think, how can I apply that to either my personal life or my business? I mean, I think that, again, just it's just anything you read, whether it be a book, whether it be an article online, the ultimate goal out of all of those should be what can I take out of this and what can I apply it? to directly to my business or else it's a complete waste. So for me, it's really just, I just literally, I'll be reading a book and I could read eight pages or I can read 70 pages or I can read, you know, a whole book. And I'll usually read until I find something that I can take an action item off it. And then I'll literally stop reading and then I'll go and start put that action into, into movement. So again, I could be reading for three minutes or I could be reading for, for three hours. If I just, it's all about just getting something out of it. And I think a lot of people read to read or read to finish books to tell people they read books. Um, I read to get something out of it. I don't know about everybody else, but I think that's uh, a pretty pragmatic way of, of doing things. So yeah, man, I just read to get something out of it. And the second I think I can get something out of it and, and it could help me, then I stop and I go, I go do something about it. So that, that's how I read. One of the questions which we always ask at the end is one of our last three, but because this app, do you, we always ask, what are the major books which have influenced your life? I, I've heard you say that you read around four plus books a month. So yep. if I were to ask you that question now, and I'm a fellow book junkie, so I'm so curious to hear. Yeah, I mean, for me, um, not only is it books, I think it's also just content um, in general. Um, a guy I'm a huge fan of is a guy named Jay Abraham, who's a master marketer. He worked with people like Damon John and Tony Robbins. Like for me right now, I'm reading uh, an 120-page uh, manifesto. It's a, it's a PDF on my computer. So it doesn't necessarily have to be books. Um, it could be PDFs. It could be YouTube videos. Um, I'm right now on a pretty big uh, Jay Abraham kick. Uh, his claim to fame is he's worked in, in thousands of different industries. And then it's all about taking – um, outside intel and strategies from other industries and then bringing it into yours. You know, case in point, you know, we're in the art space and just a lot of different 
you know, marketing initiatives that we're, we're doing are very disruptive to the space. It's basically uh, strategies that I'm taking from, you know, the fashion world, from, you know, my cousin has a construction company. I could take a concept from that. So I'm on a big Jay Abraham kick. Uh, he actually was just on Wolf of Wall Street's podcast. We were on it as well. It's, it's, a, it's a great watch. I actually watched it uh, this morning before we got on. So right now I'm on a heavy uh, Jay Abraham kick. Would you say that one of your major traits then is that you're curious? I say that all the time, man. Um, I think that is one of the most important traits. Um, really, to stay to stay happy. I think it's one of the one of the big things to stay happy. But ultimately, if you're going to be a successful um, business person, or even it, from a relationship perspective, it's always finding ways uh, to get smarter, to get better, to optimize it. So. I think curiosity is one of the most important things in relation to success. If you're not constantly asking questions, I always say, it, for me, I'm not, I'm not impressed by good answers. I'm impressed by people that ask the right questions to then get to the right answers to then make actionable steps. It's all about asking the right probing things to then get the right answer. Um, I'm all about, you know, I'll keep asking questions until I understand something. I never want to like be in a conversation with someone and not understand it. I won't go to the next part of the conversation until I fully understand what's going on so that I can have all of the necessary information and data to make educated decisions. So yeah, man, being passionately curious about everything. Um, and what I mean, I mean everything, you know, I ask, I mean, my business partner thinks I'm a weirdo. I mean, I ask <laughs> random strangers, I ask random strangers on the street, you know, random things. I'll be, you know, getting food at Chipotle and I'll ask, you know, why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? Because ultimately it kind of goes back to Jay Abraham's framework as a marketer is, you know, I'm taking different tactics from all different types of industries. And I always say that, you know, you can learn something from everyone. Like I'll be in an Uber and most people always joke they don't want to talk to the Uber driver. I always talk to the Uber driver because mm -hmm. I'm always curious, you know, you know, what do you learn in the Uber? You know, you know, how much money do you make off this? You know, how, how does Uber pay you? You know, you can find out how Uber pays their drivers and maybe the structure of how they pay them is something that you can directly take to a structure in, you know, one lane in your business. So it's really just asking tons of questions. I think it's huge. This takes like a level of humility as well. I know there's a saying out there which, which is strong ties loosely held. So when you're gathering all this information, are you also, and because obviously you have to form some beliefs to be able to take some course of action, in Iconic, have you formed beliefs, made decisions, and then had to pivot along the way? Oh, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy to think, because obviously people only see, you know, from the outside looking in what the company looks like. But I mean, there's been multiple times that, you know, we've been doing a specific business initiative, and... For all intents and purposes, if we just continue to do just that initiative and we didn't pivot maybe within that initiative or to other initiatives, the company would fail. That's just, you know, we live in a world now where you need to be, as, as a leader of a company, an entrepreneur, you need to be smart enough and self-aware enough and, you know, have the humility to know that, you know, what gets you here doesn't get you there and you need to constantly be pivoting, constantly. So, yeah, man, we've pivoted a zillion times, I mean just yesterday me you know me and my business partner were watching football talking about hey man you know if we don't do change this to this then this is not going to work and you know one of those things is somebody that you know from the outside looking in people probably 
are like, wow, they're gonna they're gonna probably do this forever, and we're actually gonna change off of it. So um, I think pivoting um, and being able to analyze the situation and see what you know where you know that that initiative is going long term and how it affects the company is huge. That's that's basically as a leader of a company, you need to just direct the company down the right path. So it's huge. Pivoting is everything. So has that been one of the major things which Iconic has done great, which has obviously led to this incredible rise? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I have a really good relationship with my business partner. Uh, he handles the creative, I handle the business. Obviously, we both uh, dabble in the other side just to help, but there's each of us has complete autonomy to make decisions. Um, in each of those lanes, we trust each other. Yeah, and I, I think the biggest thing is just being really self-aware and knowing, like, you know, we don't do we don't do stuff, you know, to be cool or to look like we're being successful. Like, what we care about is actually being successful. So, I think the biggest, you know, the biggest key to our success has been, you know, a crazy work ethic combined with being very self-aware and know that you know what was executed yesterday isn't promised today and it's just it's always you know i'm deep in the numbers i'm always looking at you know is something going up is something going down is you know what's the lifetime value of this of this initiative that we're doing so i just think it's constantly analyzing and optimizing have been our biggest um, reasons for success reminds me of the the charles darwin quote when he says it's not the strongest that survives, nor is it the most intelligent. It's the most adaptable to change. It sounds like that is really at the heart of what you do. And you mentioned your business partner, Jeff, there. And before before the podcast, I saw his Instagram handle and it's Cole. And that's just the yep. coolest Instagram <laughs> handle in the world. When I saw it, I was like, is he partners with J. Cole? And then I was like, wow, <laughs> how did he get that? <laughs> His name's Jeff, his name's Jeff Cole, Jeff so Cole, yeah. he is Jeff Cole too. It's yeah, amazing. So, if we just look specifically at some of the mistakes in which you have made to get here, because I mean, as you mentioned, people see they see the verify tags, they see the thousands of followers, the comments, the hype around the brand, collaborating with you know most of our heroes. So, what what are some of the major mistakes that? iconic made to get to where you are now uh, i mean i we could we could sit here all day and night and talk about wow. mistakes um and that's just me being very transparent um i think the biggest mistake and um, right now we're really starting to get a hold on it and quite frankly it's making me more happy than anything in the whole entire world is really understanding your company from an accounting a legal and a finance perspective and you know it's it's really crazy to think that you know i know so many people that run huge companies and you know they're running at a loss you know up until q4 and then in q4 they absolutely explode their cash flow positive of the year and they're looking at the lifetime value of the customer as opposed to just making money like when we started the company you know, every single day, it's like, we make money, we make money, we make money, we make money. And that's just general good business practice. Um, and as the company's grown, we really started to understand, you know, lifetime value of a customer. How much is it, you know, uh, how much does it cost to acquire a customer? Do customers, you know, come back? What type of customers are valuable? Um, and that all goes down into the data. So I think that understanding data and the numbers um, is, 
you know, that, you know, in the beginning of the company, it, you know, it started so fast and it exploded so fast that, you know, I mean, for the first couple million dollars, we were running off my own personal LLC. I mean, we didn't even have the right accounting structure um, and, and, and the right legal structure. And then from a numbers perspective, I mean, I'm a guy that you know, my father was on Wall Street. I was a finance major turned marketing major. I understand numbers at its core, but I'm not a guy that can do, you know, modeling and I'm not a, you know, Microsoft Excel wizard. And, you know, we brought on a guy that's really helping with that. And I think for any entrepreneur out there, you know, the deeper you get and the bigger you get, the harder it is to reverse a lot of things. So I think for anyone out there, understanding, you know, the difference between an S Corp and LLC and how does that affect, you know, how you pay yourself, dividends, bringing in new partners, understanding accounting and legal is, is, is huge. And then understanding, you know, your numbers is, is, is everything. I think people, um, they get too lost in, in a lot of other things, a lot of probably things on the front end. And I think for us, you know, we didn't really focus on the back end in the beginning and now we're putting a huge focus on it because ultimately if you don't have the right back end and the right structure, you're not going to be able to scale. So I think the biggest mistake um, was we just didn't get our shit in order um, early, but you know, now we're putting a lot of focus on it and we're very close to getting an amazing position in it from that perspective. That's amazing. Fail fast, fail early if you're going to do it at all. So what gave you the conviction to really believe that this was going to take off? Did you always think that it would? Did you have that belief in it? No. Um, so I always had an undying belief that I knew that I was going to be successful under the notion that I work really hard and I've been a, I've been a life learner. I mean, I've found ways to make money when I was you know 18 years old, 19 years old. I, I always was really good at finding opportunities and optimizing them and building relationships. So from a personal perspective, I knew I eventually was going to be successful. But I mean, I woke up and I was, you know, 29, 30 years old and I was, and I had small equity in a company making not that much money, um, you know, wasn't happy, didn't have money in the bank. Um, so I knew that I was going to be successful personally, but I wasn't taking the right action steps to really execute on that. I was relying on other people, um, but specifically with Iconic, um, you know, we just were messing around, you know, bartering some big posts on social media accounts and drop shipping in 2016. It exploded fast in 2017. I think we knew, um, you know, the inflection point on when we knew it was a real business was we weren't relying on one piece to drive all of our revenue. So in the beginning, it was like a couple pieces and like one piece was like, you know, driving 90% of the revenue. And as that kind of teetered off and, you know, we started having you know, you know, one piece made 10 grand, another piece made 10 grand, and then three pieces made 20 grand. And as it started really building that we weren't reliant on one piece, that's when I know it was a real business. Um, because it's very dangerous to rely on, you know, one product or one form of distribution. Because, you know, if you're a company, you're a t-shirt company, and, you know, you do $30 million a year and $26 million is with Walmart, and then Walmart pulls your account, you're not in a good position. So... I think that once our um, our risk was mitigated, you know, outside of just one one piece, it was a ton. That's when I knew it was going to be a real business. So, was this a passion project, or did you see a genuine gap and a need in the market for it? Both. Um, so, obviously, Jeff's a designer, so he's deeply passionate about art, I and mean, he's been taking art school since he was growing up. 
And then myself, I'm just very passionate about solving problems and marketing and biz dev. And I was managing an artist. Uh, his name is Timmy Sneaks. He's based out of Boston. And I met him. He had never sold a piece of art. I gave a piece to Rob Kardashian. Rob posted it. And then we sold a piece of art for $1,000. You know, you fast forward to now, his pieces are up to $20,000. Huge celebrity clientele, Megan Trainer, Scott Disick, Kevin Hart. And I realized that um, everyone that was emailing me for the art couldn't afford the art. So I made a limited time print. We made 20 grand in two days. And then I was like, wow, you know, there was a huge hole in the affordable uh, art market. So me as an entrepreneur, I kind of saw this white space um, where there was a huge problem. People didn't know where to get art. Where do you get art? From Ikea, Amazon, Z Gallery. There wasn't really a place to get like cool, affordable art, especially from a, from a direct-to-consumer perspective. So you had me who was deeply passionate about problem solving, and I came from an art background as far as business goes. And Jeff, who was someone that I had a very good working relationship with, who was an artist, you kind of combined the two, and it was – you know, a combination of passion and then, you know, problem solution based situation. So is that what you would look for if you were to say start another business? Would you look for something which you have an interest in and also there's an inflection point where there is a genuine need? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I couldn't imagine ever, no one is winning that is not passionate about what they're doing. It's just impossible. I mean, the amount of shots that we've taken that like most people would just cry and fold and like for me I actually laugh like when something bad goes wrong I like laugh in my head because I just look at it as like another problem that's like I need to figure out a creative way to, to, to solve it so yeah you got to find something that you're deeply deeply passionate about I mean you have to be a psycho to be an entrepreneur you have to be obsessive like something that Kobe Bryant always says that he looks for people that are obsessed like we are, Jeff and I are deeply obsessed with our business. We have no work-life balance. We're absolutely obsessed. So yeah, you got to be deeply passionate about it. And then you have to be self-aware enough to know that you're, you're good at it. I mean, I can't tell you how many artists reach out to us who are like, you know, they definitely have the work ethic and, you know, they're saying all the right things, but they're just not that good at art. And, you know, they're just wasting away their life doing something where if they took that same effort that they're putting towards it with something that, they were actually talented at, then there would be much results. So yeah, it's, it's finding something you're deeply passionate about, you're actually good at. Um, and then lastly, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always better to go into a space that isn't saturated, just because in the world we live in, you know, with, with, with digital marketing and, you know, the internet, you know, you want to get into a place where it's going to be as affordable as possible to acquire getting a sale. So it's so interesting that you talk about work-life balance when I was listening to all the other podcasts which you've been on, I heard you mention in one episode that you're single. I'm not sure if you still are at this point. And I wasn't actually going to ask yeah. you this, but my, my, my curiosity has, has risen. So I'm recently single myself, and this is, this is sort of the, the thing I find with entrepreneurialism where... At the beginning, everyone's, everyone sees like the long hours and you're busy and it's all, oh, he's so ambitious so so busy all the time and then you get closer to like an entrepreneur but that is and then that is the reality some days you work in like 18 16 18 hours if it's a product launch i heard you mention as well that you want to have kids you want to have a family what is your sort of approach to relationships what is your attitude to it how how do you plan to combine the both 
this is a real selfish question from me. I'm sort of looking for advice for this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, man, I wish I had I had the right answer. I can just kind of give you my opinion. Um, for me, it's just I haven't found the right person from an intellect perspective where, again, going back to kind of that curiosity, you know, I'll go to, you know, example, like I remember like, you know, a year and a half, two years ago, I went on a date with a girl uh, to the Museum of Ice Cream. And I'm on a date with a girl, and obviously she wants to have fun. And literally, you know, I remember we were walking into one of the rooms, and she's like, you know, why are you being so quiet right now? And I was just, I was being quiet because I was thinking in my head of the different ways that I can make money with this company, and how do they, how did they do that? So, you know, really, I really, I've really, uh, you know, started focusing towards, you know, women that are. I can't imagine being in a relationship with someone that's not passionate about business. And, you know, I've really focused on the last couple of years of dating girls that are just beautiful women that, you know, don't necessarily, um, a lot of them, you know, are just like Instagram models and stuff like that. And for me, that's been a, it's really been a dead end, a lonely place for me. Um, so for me, it's just really finding someone from an intellect perspective that, you know, it's what I talk about. I talk about business all the time. So like for me to date a girl that has her own business, you know, I'd love to help her with her business. You know what I'm saying? So for me, it's, it's, I find out quickly if, you know, there's, you know, we can have a good conversation and I'm not forcing, um, I'm forcing the conversation. Um, yeah, that, that's where I'm at right now, man, is just, just looking for someone, um, that, you know, I can have a really good conversation with and we have, you know, a shared passion, for business if there's an incompatibility there in terms of maybe the iq or the conversation then over time then you know that's going to show up and it could make you feel even more alone and and i think that the conclusion i've come to this is that there has to be a sort of maybe a lifestyle compatibility with this you know working x amount of hours then it's no good really me being with someone who's just sitting in the house all day yeah i mean for me you know, if I was dating a girl and I like planned us a trip to go somewhere, nothing would would make me happier than her two hours before the trip being like, "Hey, something huge came up for business. You know, I can't go on a trip." And most people on the other side, especially if it was flipped, where I was dating a girl, and if I said that, I mean, they would go absolutely crazy. And like for me, I understand. You know what I'm saying? I understand that you know business comes first and their life comes first. So. Um, just finding someone that, you know, has the same, you know, priorities for me. And obviously I know that there's going to be some compromise eventually when I settle down, you know, family is something that I want to have. Um, but just being understanding and knowing that right now, you know, my company's in the growth phase, uh, you know, I just turned 34 years old. I'm a, I'm a fairly young guy. This is a marathon. And I think that, you know, right now I'm on the trajectory where, you know, I could be in a really, really good position when I'm 38 years old. And I know tons of people that, you know, and it could be, a, I'm in a good position now. I mean, really good in 35, 36, 37, 38. I mean, and there's people that don't get married and don't have kids till, till later in life. So I've never been one to succumb to societal norms. Um, I'm very unorthodox in everything I do. So for me, it's just when it comes, it comes. And just eventually I want to have a kid eventually. So. And this is why this is why we reached out to you with the the perfect show, <laughs> the yeah. perfect show to talk about it. So I feel as if 
at the heart of Iconic, and I've heard stories which you've talked about, and at the heart of you personally, you have a value-first mentality. And I loved how you gave the example of how you secured the Gary Vaynerchuk uh, collaboration. So could you just talk about that sort of approach, the what it is the war stands for and the effect that it could have? Yeah. Um, one of my favorite Kanye quotes is a lot of people, um, basically, if you can't be used, you're useless. And it sounds like a very aggressive um, quote. And, and, and there's a negative connotation to the word used, but the bad words is misuse and abuse. The word use, I don't look as a bad word. Um, we live in a in a value-driven society where it's it's a it's a what can you do for me world we live in. If you can't you know provide value or help or make me smarter or make me happy or something, then people aren't going to want to interact with you. That's just the world we live in. Um, I'm not like a big like small talk guy. I like getting right to you know the meat of the conversation. You know what is what is this relationship? How can we help each other? I'd love to help you. So. I think it's it's being someone being someone of value um, that's never going to get old. Um, and I always look at it with, um, you know, if you're constantly, constantly giving value, um, you you know in your back pocket that, you know, if you need to go to that person for a favor, you know, in most scenarios they're going to help you out. So I'm just the guy that always likes to always like to give more than I take. And I always, I always say all the time that I can't think of many people outside of obviously, you know, you know, my, my parents who brought me into this world today where, you know, I owe them. I, I only can think of people that owe me. I'm a guy that is connecting people. I'm doing favors. I'm providing value first under the notion that eventually if I need help, I can go to them and they'll help me. Um, it just, it puts you in a position of leverage I think the word leverage is one of the most important words in business that, you know, in any business dealing, you always want to be in a position of leverage um, and giving value first puts you in a position of leverage. You could also link in this, not just in terms of business deals, but also in personal deals, dealing with people in relationships, providing <clears throat> value first is that I think that sometimes when people talk about influencing others or getting people to be interested in them they always think in terms of if i'm the most interesting person that i can be but what i found is that the key to influence really is putting the magnifying glass on the other person it goes back to dale carnegie talks about where he says the most interesting person in the room is the most interested we found the same in with this podcast the guests which we have the best relationship with they're the ones which we push their books extra hard to to our to our mailing list because we genuinely believed in it and i think that in terms of identifying the other person's interests first and then looking for value for yourself later i i really think that that's one major paradigm shift which really becomes a game changer is that your experience with it a thousand percent man um again it, it goes back to the curiosity you know me helping people there's also, I wouldn't say an, an alternative motive, but I'm just, I want to know things. So it, it, it's, it's a win-win. I want to know, hey, what's your business? You know, what's your revenue model? What's your distribution? Um, you know, what are you passionate about? All those things. I ask anybody that I deal with, I always talk to them. And then I'm, it's just by default, I'm going to give the value first 
and it's unlo- it's, 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 it's unfolding a lot of different things that actually help my business as well. Um, and people, you know, for me, a big thing is I'm on my phone uh, a sick amount of time. I definitely have a problem for sure. But the one thing is when I'm in meetings, um, when I'm on dates with women, I put my phone away. And I give them, you know, when I'm there, I give them my attention um, so I can have a real, real in-depth conversation. I always say all the time, you know, a lot of people are in relationships and, you know, if I'm dating a girl, I'm really not that interested in talking to you at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday um, and, you know, what are you eating for lunch? Um, We can have, you know, conversation all the time that's going to be very uh, very shallow, or we could have a conversation some of the time and it'd be very, very deep. I'd rather talk less times, but when we do talk, it's undivided attention. And I think that goes back to, um, anything as far as being interested, you know, I want to have real conversations, not very surface level conversations. And, you know, people really, you know, it's wild. Like if I'm talking to someone and like, I really put my phone away, People actually see that and respect it. And, you know, you give them eye contact and you're really, really listening to them. That goes such a long way. People really, really appreciate that because we live in a world now where, you know, you're literally have a meeting with someone and you're texting while you're talking to them. It's just like that's just so disrespectful. So for me, it's definitely uh, being interested is huge. I feel as if one thing which I really love about Iconic and I saw this lately when you partner with the goat himself, Eric Thomas, which hey. is, he's just, uh, you know, I've been watching that guy's videos for literally as long as I can remember. And, you know, just, just amazing. And I feel as if you've done amazing in terms of heading down the influencer route. In terms of when you approach them, do you offer value to them first and then you sort of try to reciprocate it later? Is that how you approach them? Um, I mean, I just think that the overall framework of our deals are just so low effort and high impact. So um, the frame of the deal is just value-driven for them. I mean, I mean, you saw just the creative that we did with Eric. You know, that would cost tens of thousands of dollars and, you know, we're doing that all for free, you know, in alignment with our, with our collaboration. So... Just the overall framework of all the deals are value driven. So all I need is just their ear. Um, and once I get their ear and I say, hey, all we need from you is this. And then we do this, 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 and this. And, you know, you're getting X amount and royalty and perpetuity. You know, the whole deal is is is, is value towards them. Um, and then what's really good about it is, you know, like I said, it's very low effort. Um, and then then you start developing relationships with these people and they start seeing how you work, you know, as a business person and a human. And then that opens up, you know, the doors for, for other things. And, you know, in the coming months, people are going to see a lot of new initiatives that we're pushing. And all of those are a direct correlation, um, uh, between, you know, with these relationships, whether it be doing stuff with these people we have relationships want with, or just learning from these other successful business people. So, um, yeah, I mean, everything goes back to everything should be value-driven. How you structure it, how you talk to them. Yeah, of course. You mentioned there in terms of getting in the year of these influential people. What are some of the methods which you have for doing just that for 
maybe getting a seat at the table with these with these people because I heard on another podcast you did Jeff was saying that this is one of your greatest strengths. So what is the what is the the method the the approach which we could take to to do that? Uh, I think kind of going back to being interested, um, being likable. Um, I'm also a chameleon in a sense that I'm 34. So, you know, Friday I locked a deal with an enormous influencer and he's 24 years old. I went to the club with him. He's, you know, he's a young guy and I'm 34, but I can also go out to dinner, you know, with a 55 year old, you know, guy that's worth $500 million dollars. I think it's um, being a chameleon has been huge for me, but I think kind of my biggest strength is finding someone's needs, whether it be in directly in our in our relationship or our business deal or just in their business period. And then I'm just the guy that can connect the dots and ultimately drive that value for them. Where, you know, case in point, you know, my buddy is um, fighting in a UFC card in Boston in October, and you know I haven't spoke to him in a minute. My buddy Walid owns one of the best clubs in Boston. He owns a bunch of restaurants. So for me, I approached that UFC fighter who I haven't talked to in a while, and I'm like, oh, hey, buddy, I know you're going to be there. You know, you're fighting. You're going with your family. Let me set you up. You can have a nice you know, dinner with your family. Um, if you want you know, to go to the club after the fight and host a night, this is the guy you want to talk to. Me going back and reengaging that relationship through value is – and having – not talking about you know iconic. It's not about iconic. It's about me re-engaging and providing value. And then what's going to happen? He's going to go. He's going to love the dinner. He's going to go to the club. He's going to have fun. And then on the flip side, he's going to say thank you. And then the doors are open. So that's kind of where I think my my since since the beginning of time, I've always been a guy that can really find what people need and then just fill the gap. I love that so much. I love that so much. And also what I really appreciate about you is in this era now where entrepreneurship has become so glamorized and I feel as if there's been such a lens in terms of, you know, the tools, the tricks, the habits, the morning routines and all these things which which I think are, are important. But if there's not a relentless work ethic, there, if there's not an ability to learn, you know, then I, I think that they become lost on on deaf dudes and people put, can put too much emphasis on the tools and the tactics rather than the actual traits so one thing which i would love to ask you about is you've said that you know there's, there's a quote that if you think that there's no time out there to build your dream you're full of shit so i'd love to know just how passionately do you feel about that idea and what was the sort of meaning the sort of message which you give to that um yeah i mean i, I think people sort of uh overestimate what you could do in a year and they underestimate what you could do in 10 years and that was something that was a big problem of mine earlier in my career and now i'm just starting to see you know more of a long-term vision um and yeah i mean we live in a world right now where the opportunities are, are endless i mean you could start a business literally like today i mean we started our business. It cost us $34. That was one month of Squarespace hosting. And then Jeff did a design. I got a post on a big social media account. And then we drop shipped the art. So 
um, yeah, we, we live in the golden age of entrepreneurship right now where, yeah, you have a dream, you got to just go out there and chase it. And, you know, there's people, <clears throat> there's crazy stats around like, you know, the most successful entrepreneurs are like, I think, I think the stat is like they're like 43 years old. People have this thing where they think like there's everyone's like the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world where they, you know, they hit at 21. I mean, people don't realize that they have a lot more time left. I mean, the average person lives to be, I think, 68. So like for me, you know, I'm not, ironically enough, I'm, I'm halfway there. I mean, I'm, I'm only 50%, you know, through the journey right now. So yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's just a great time right now. There's so many resources out there, inexpensive resources and you know, think about this, this conversation right now, I think I'm providing a lot of value. People just need to listen to the podcast and they can take actionable steps out of this. So it's really just, um, you know, going out there and searching and finding the right people to listen to. I think a lot of people don't audit the people that they're listening to, where as mentioned before, you know, we live in this world where entrepreneurship is glamorized. I mean, I'm looking and listening to a very select few group of people um, because they're exponentially more successful than me. I'm not listening to people that, you know, haven't had success in business, you know? That's so, so interesting. How important do you think the auditing process has been for you? There's that quote which always gets thrown around. You are the product of the five people you most spend your time around. How important has that been for you? I mean, it's everything. Um, you You know, at the core of it, you know, I actually, we have a live work. I live with my business partner and, you know, I can't stress enough how good of a, basically how good of an example, you know, he is for me in my life. I mean, he, he's an absolute workaholic. He rarely goes out. He, you know, he rarely drinks. He doesn't do drugs. Um, he's a guy that's you know focused on his work. And, you know, for me, you know, if it's a Friday night and I'm, and I'm living with someone and they're going out to party versus somebody like Jeff who's staying in and working, you know, that there's a direct correlation in between that and what decision I'm going to make. So, um, you know, that's just him as my business partner is obviously someone that, you know, I'm with all the time. Um, and then, yeah, I'm very selective in the people that I even, that I even give my time to. The second I start seeing someone, you know, give bad energy or not providing value in, in, in some which way or form, then they're just out of my life. I mean, people, there's been people in my life that literally just at the flick of a switch, they're just out of my life forever. I have my whole entire, I live in a growth mindset. If I'm not growing from you in, in some context, then uh, I'm not interested. I can give a very real example. Since the podcast we did with him, we've been speaking quite closely to, with Robert Green, the author of the 48 Laws of Power, Laws of Human Nation, to, and stuff like that. And, just the impact in which just having just a powerful connection just like that can have. I mean, as you mentioned, Jeff, which you just look at someone with those, maybe those sort of rose tinted goggles where you're like, wow, you know, that's that. Like, I admire that. That really has, you know, such a magnifying effect. Really unprecedented, just the power that that can have. Just got a couple more, a couple more questions for you, uh, Mark. One story which I loved you talk about was you mentioned that not being selected for your high school soccer team ended up having a real profound effect on you. 
So I'd love to know, just linking this back to the podcasting, what was the lesson which you learned from there? And how did that affect you going forward? You got to earn it. Um, you know, no one is going to give you anything in this life. You got to go out and earn it. Um, and for me, you know, I didn't deserve to be on that list. Um, I was super talented. I did well on the club circuit, but from a school, you know, in the school circuit, I didn't do well. Um, you don't get paid in this world for ideas or what people think you can do. You get paid for your track record and if you can execute. And that's parallel in everything in life, in sports, in business, in, you know, in relationships, everything. So for me, it just had a profound effect on me on, under the notion that, you know, I didn't deserve it. Um, and the thought that went through my head that day, sitting at the kitchen table with my mom, I remember it so vividly. I was reading Newsday. She made me uh, a toasted sesame bagel with two scrambled eggs. I had it every single morning. And I remember in my head, um, having that internal dialogue in my head where my mom always had this undying support for me, maybe a little unrealistic. Um, and she was a little pissed off. And I actually told her, I thought in my head, I'm like, mom, I didn't earn this. Um, so I had to go out there and, and, and prove to myself and, and, and earn it. Um, and the biggest effect it had on me was, you know, I then went absolutely apeshit and I trained my ass off and then I earned it. And, you know, it was that simple. And then I got the accolades. The team went, um, we had, I think it was the second furthest we had ever gone in school history. Um, and I earned it. So I think for me, it's really, you know, I can do anything I put my mind to and you got to earn everything, you know, for us, you know, with, with everything in our company, with the people, um, they start at the bottom of the totem pole and they got to earn their way up. And, you know, if you execute, then you're going to be able to climb the ladder very fast. And I think uh, I'm going to have that same, um, ideology and how I raise my kids, you know, they're going to have to earn every single bit, everything. They're going to be in a position, you know, I, I'm going to be in a, a good position in life and they're going to have access to things, but everything they're going to have to earn, everything. Like they're going to have to do things to get other things. They're not going to get anything just to get it, you know? Such a real red-pilled conversation and there's been so much food for thought. Considering you've got some Brazilian blood in, I can't believe that you wasn't the first name on the team sheet. <laughs> I, I actually played like a typical Brazilian, um, extremely talented, extremely skillful, um, but it was wasted talent. That's like, it literally, it's so funny because <laughs> I played exactly how the Brazilians play. They always have the most talent, but it's like, are they going to show up or are they not? And up until then, I didn't show up. And then, you know, what happens is, you know, in, sporadically, you know, once every, you know, two or three World Cups, the, 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 the team that everyone knows who they are show up and then they win. And that's what happened with me. And that's, that's the same with me in business. And when I am focused on something and I'm passionate about it, then I'm going to fucking dominate. And when I'm not, I'm not. So. And with the relentless work ethic which you've built up and that talent, maybe it's never too late for you. You never know. <laughs> so I just got three questions left for you. So I always ask a question is that we are a show rooted in action taking. With all the information which you've offered us today, what would your challenge be to us and to our audience that we could do right now? I mean, kind of going back on what we 
talked about earlier is just shifting your mindset to a value first, just live in a value first world. If you just are helping, 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 giving, 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 helping, 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 giving, 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 that's all I did from, you know, from 21 years old to 29 years old. Cause I, I kind of really look at that more as like kind of like my business career. I literally took nothing and I gave everything. And then what happens is one day it just clicks. It's the compound effect. All of those, all the help that you gave to everyone, then it just, it starts reciprocating. So I think the biggest challenge I'd give to everyone listening is shift your mind where nobody owes you anything. Start helping people. When you help people, good things happen. You mentioned books earlier. Can't let this train, trailer thought go is you're obviously a voracious reader like us, like our audience. Do you have any plans yourself to write your own book? Yeah, we're uh, we're actually planning on writing a book next year, so that's coming soon. It's gonna be good. Wow, there's there's a little seed to to plant. <laughs> yeah. Um, are there any rules that in your life you love to break? Um, I always say that you need to know the rules and understand them so you can break them. Um, and you can always break the rules and then ask for people's uh, forgiveness later. Um, everything I've done in life, um, you got to take risks. I mean, even starting my first business, it was a, it was a liquor delivery business in college. And I remember, you know, we were at orientation and it was basically like three strikes you're out and three strikes, meaning anything, whether it be an open container for beer or noise violation. And for me, I saw that as, okay, let's, let's go push the limit and go make some money and Hey, I'll get my first strike and I'll evaluate from there. And then it's really, it really only starts getting dangerous until you get on the second strike. So, um, yeah, you always got to understand the rules and then rules were meant to be breaking with, with anything in life. Look at a really good guy to, um, to study is guys like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger, with everything he's done, he's broke the rules. My last question to you, Mark, is if you could hypothetically give a message to everybody on this planet that is short but impactful, what would your message to the world be? Find something you love. And you should, you know, for me, it took me, you know, 30 years of my life to find it. And that was the best day of my life. My whole entire life changed um, when I found what I love, because you know it's that, it's that same quote everybody talks about: is if you do what you love, you'll never work another day in your life. And that is, although cliche, the most true thing of all time. I mean, I just couldn't imagine doing something that I didn't absolutely love. And if you do something you love and you're self-aware, as I mentioned earlier, then you're going to have success. And when you have success, it's fun. So you know, especially for for the younger listeners try everything keep trying finding looking just keep looking everywhere and then when you find something that you really love and you're good at it and life life just changes so keep searching this has been one of my favorite conversations on this podcast to date where can our audience our freedom pack family connect with you um so on instagram it's mark brazil mark with a k brazil with a z iconic i-k-o-n-i-c-k um we've had some great content that we're starting to put on linkedin you should go to our page iconic and then um you can look at my my real name on at mark brazil it's, it's mark mashandre that's on linkedin uh, and then my business partner who in my mind is 
the greatest digital artist of our time is Cole, C-O-L-E, on Instagram. He's amazing to follow. And yeah, man, it's just iconic.com as well. And um, yeah, that's about it. And the new video man, Austin. Shout out to Austin. He's actually not our video guy anymore. Oh, is he not your video guy? He's not oh, our video. Oh, I'll crop, but... I'll crop that out then. <laughs> yeah, uh, don't worry about Austin then. Uh, he's, he's a great kid and I got love for him, so, so no worries. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, but Mark, this has been an absolute pleasure. As I said, it's been one of my favorite conversations to date. And, you know, I just can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you giving me the platform and uh, I look forward to being in touch.